Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cook to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all we can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Dudley and Eunice. Dudley and Eunice. Get familiar with those names. We're going to be very familiar with them. Uh, before the end of this week, Dudley's coming our way. Is it tomorrow? Eunice on a Friday. And you know that I always talk to you about the Magic Seaweed weather app and how wonderful it is at predicting storms and the behavior of storms. And I might tell you now that it's Eunice we need to be concerned about down here. Uh, she's an angry looking mama. <laughs> she, she's coming our way. Uh, in the early hours of Friday morning, according to the Magic Seaweed. I'll catch up with uh, Alan at Carla Weather later in the morning because he is doing what he does so well. He's comparing all of the patterns and all of the predictions and all of the various maps. And he will give us some kind of a call on what to expect later on this morning. 0818 96 96 96. Scams are 10 a penny. There's a new one every day. Mags, did you get done twice in one day or did someone attempt to do it twice in one day? Good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Peter. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Oh, where, where do I start now with this scams? <laughs> <laughs> so I tell you, PJ, I ordered um, an item there from England last Wednesday and on I was waiting for it to come to the post. On Friday, I got a text message and the text message went along the lines of your package has arrived in the country and a custom fee of 160 please pay securely. And there was a link saying unpost.ie. Yeah. So it came, now what I thought, it was in, this message came in a folder with a load of other messages that unpost have sent me if I'm ever waiting for packages. So I clicked on the link and it brought me to a custom section on what looked like unpost website. So I clicked, put in my information. And then after I put in my details, the, the page just went blank and I couldn't do any more. And I thought, this is very odd. So I got onto my Facebook and I contacted on post through the Facebook Messenger. And I said, I showed him a screenshot and the, la- the lady, or sorry, Chris was on the, the Messenger. And Chris said, Mags, this isn't a legitimate text message from Unpost. Please contact your bank if you've given out any details and cancel your card. Okay. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I got onto my bank on Friday. Uh, Friday evening and got onto the fraud team and I explained to them and they locked my bank, cancelled my card. So I was okay with that. So yesterday morning, Monday morning came and I had to contact my bank 
um, to get my online banking and stuff set back up and everything. I'm waiting for my new card to come. So I was like, sure, look, I get it all set up. So I got onto online banking yesterday morning. <clears throat> they set, they fixed up my online banking for me. And I was like, right, waiting for my card now to come. That's it. Mm. That's the end of it. So yesterday evening, I got another text message from what I thought was permanent TSB. Mm-hmm. And this message went along the lines of, we will contact you shortly regarding your recent transactions. Please confirm this reference number before proceeding. And there's a little PTSB 56, whatever, a couple of digits there, a, a reference number, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was about quarter past five yesterday. Uh, about half six, my phone rang. And there was a gentleman came on the phone to me and he said, uh, hello, my name is Charles. I'm from the fraud department. He said, I'm just contacting you because we can see that there has been uh, regular transactions on your account. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. He said, we can see that there is 400 euros for American Airlines Mm -hmm. and 300 euros for EasyJet. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, my God. And he said to me, he said, do you have your um, online banking account to hand there? And I said, um. I said, oh, well, he only locks that. I thought, as I said, no, I thought it was fraud, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said to him, oh, he only locks that there at the weekend. They said, yeah, I've got it back up and running. So he said, you couldn't log into it by any chance. And I said, I can't do it on the phone because I'm talking to you on the phone. And he said, well, would you do it? Have you any other device you can use? So I did. I logged into my online banking with um, with my my details, my yeah. new details. Yeah. And he said to me, because he's, he's, when, I said, when I had mentioned it to him, that I had spoke to the fraud department, he said to me, oh, are you still using your credit card ending in 7169? And I said, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, no. I said, that card has been cancelled. I said, I'm waiting on the new card. And he said to me, oh, that's great. He said, look, we give you a call back in a couple of days, he said, and we let you know how your card was breached. And I said, oh, really, Charles, that's great. I said, thanks very much. Now, PJ, I got the call. That call rang me from 0818 50 24 24. Which is? That is the actual permanent TSB Open 24 number. Now, I was thinking to myself, there's no way he was a scammer. Do you know if he's coming from the same number as what permanent TSB would ring me from? So, um... I was looking at this going, this sounded strange. Yeah. So I got onto the fraud department again last night at about eight o'clock. I rang the fraud department from the TSB and this lady Robin on the phone, the minute I mentioned that text message to her, she said to me, no, Mag, she said, that's an actual scam. And I said, are you serious? And she said, what's happening is these scammers, they have a device where they can clone yeah. the likes of Unpost, which they did, and the likes of permanent TSB, they can clone their numbers and they can actually ring you from these particular official, what we think are official numbers. Now, I'm not, like, I like to think of myself as being tech savvy, but I tell you now, I got caught twice. Twice I got caught in the space of a few days. Like, so um, the lady, on the, the lady Robin said to me last night, she said, look, Mags, if you're ever in doubt, she said, just hang up the phone yeah. and just ring back any of the legitimate numbers that you have that you see in front of you. You will always get somebody from the actual main place, you know, but yeah. I just couldn't believe it, PJ. I really couldn't believe it. So this fella Charles said he's going to ring me back 
in a couple of days right. um, to talk about how my account was breached. But Robin from the fraud team last night, she said to me, she said, look, Max, he's probably going to try and ring you back and skim your card when you get your new card. So I'm sitting here now and I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, my God, this fella Charles is going to try and ring me back. Well, he's going to get a whistle down the phone now oh, when he does be. ring me back. <laughs> have, have you lost any money so far, do you know? Oh, no, thank God. I was so quick on the Friday last week when I did ring the ter- permanent TSB that they just shut down that old account. So I was lucky that I didn't give him any of my new details yesterday because mm-hmm. if I'd have given him my new data, it would have been, my bank would have been wiped out. But as, she, as Robin said to me from the fraud team, he's waiting on that new number now, you know. So like, is he going to ring me back? I don't know, but that's what they will do. He's, yeah. she will, he will try and catch me with the new So, the so new what account. he's done is you, he asked you if your card ending in, we won't give the numbers again, is still active. Uh, it's gone anyway, PJ. Yeah. That's well, gone anyway. Well, that okay. It's dead. So you said 7169. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's dead it. now. So what he wants yeah. to do is, I'll call you back in a couple of days, you'll have your new card and he'll say, can I just confirm that this new card there of yours ends in dot, 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 dot. Ah, great. Exactly. We're good to go, Mags. Thanks for dealing with that kind of thing. And then he's Absolutely. going to skip you. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. And that this is it's, coming from the legitimate I mean, PTSB number. Now, I would wonder why PTSB aren't writing this in six-foot letters on the side of the county hall. I don't understand either, PJ. Well, it happened to Unpost. It, 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 like, the Unpost message that I got on the Friday was in a thread with all my other Unpost mm, messages mm, if I've ever that. received they any packages. Banks. Yeah. Now, with the thing that you were buying from the UK, you see what might be legit there or what you would think is legit is these days when we buy stuff from the UK, there always is, or there often is rather, a little charge you have to pay before they deliver it because of um, customs and stuff, do you know? And- there you go. That's my first time ever kind of like getting one of these messages and like that, just as you said, I thought, oh, sure, yeah, a small customs charge. Now, my partner did say to me, Mags, only on electrical items. Now, this wasn't an electrical item. So I wasn't just quick enough to think there. And then when I clicked that link, but the lady, Robin, on the fraud section, she said to me yesterday, Mags, nobody will ever send you a link as well yeah. from any of these Correct. businesses. They Correct. won't send you a link. So don't click on the link, she said. But the one from the permanent TSB, the text I got from Charles, wink, wink, there was a reference number. And when he rang me yesterday, he said, oh, could you confirm the reference number that we sent you via text message? And sure, I did. I sent, I gave him back his reference number, the fake reference number. And that was in a folder as well, in a thread with permanent TSB messages. Here's what someone said to me to do in that case, is if, Mm -hmm. you know what? Why don't you read out the number? When he says to you, could you confirm the reference number? Actually, Charles, why don't you give me the number you have for me and I'll uh, tell you if it's the right that's one. That's what I should have done. Absolutely, PJ. I wasn't quick enough to think of that yesterday, as I said, because I, I was only after setting up the online banking yesterday and mm. I was thinking, sure, you know, Irish, this guy's definitely legitimate. No, yeah, yeah. And sure, no, he wasn't. Sure. Yeah, But no, I tell you, I'd be on my toes from now on anyway and in the future. You just need to be so careful nowadays. Sure, I was, really, tell, I was saying last week, really Mags, about how um, someone was ringing me at home claiming to be from Amazon and claiming I owned Amazon money. And as I said, <laughs> I never put my home number into any of these accounts. No, I mean, even even my colleagues in here don't know my home number, most of them. Do you know what I mean? And yet Amazon supposedly ringing me at home, do you know? 
Mm, you could just never be too careful, no. sure you can't. They're no. getting so advanced. The lady in the fraud department said to me last night, they're getting so advanced. It's yeah. just incredible. Apparently, they can buy some sort of a software yes. and it lets them clone It lets That's them right. clone the phone number. So the 0818502424, what I thought was permanent TSB, was not permanent TSB, yeah. which is just scary to think, as you know. Do you know that the, another trick they do is they'll try and clone your brother's number or your sister's number or your mammy's number and they'll deal with you by WhatsApp or text only and they'll have you shifting 500 quid to your brother who's stuck needing to buy a oh flight God. home from London. They're doing it all the time. All the time. Jesus. It's incredible. You, well, it just goes to show we need to be on our toes Absolutely. all of the time. Just, just We need to try and be ahead of them, you know. But And listen, like that, I thought I was quite tech savvy. Well, I got caught anyway twice in the space of a well, look, few Mag, days. At, le- like, at least you didn't lose money, and that's the good bit. Well, that's it. They got nothing off me. All he'd be getting now was a whistle down the phone if he rings me back, PJ, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Mags, good talking to you. Have a nice day. Take care of yourself. That's Mags. Twice in one day. That's the other thing. If, they, if they're on the phone to you and they say, would you ever confirm the reference number there that we gave you? Tell you what, says you, you give me the one you have for me and I'll confirm it. They don't like that. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Morning, PJ and team. I'm with TSB as well. Their automated messages say they'll never ring you asking for your details. will only ask if you ring them. She gave him her Open24 number. She may be in bother when she gets the new card because you can view the card from the Open 24. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Remember yesterday talking about Kill Britain, the school in Kill Britain and the early intervention class in the school in Kill Britain. We got a response from the National Council for Special Education about that class. I'll bring it to you during the morning. Also, Cash Cow, he's back after 10. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. The biggest world news story of the moment. Uh, Ukraine, Russia. Is Russia going to invade Ukraine? What does... Vladimir Putin want, what's he going to do? Is there a war? Are we on the brink of war? What What is happening? That's the newspapers and the news sites and the television shows are obsessing themselves with that. But, of course, behind all of these stories are real people, real families. I've only ever been to the Ukraine once. I spent a couple of days there, ah, just nearly 20 years ago now. And I just found it to be a, a very beautiful place. Uh, Kiev is a gorgeous city, absolutely gorgeous city, but you kind of retain an interest when you've been to a place even for a few days. Tatiana, you're originally from Ukraine. You've been living in Crosshaven for for a number of years now. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Tell me how, obviously, you're better able to interpret what's happening in your home place than than, than the rest of us. How worried are you about what's happening at home? Well, I'm very worried 
right? Um, I have my mom, who is an elderly person living in Ukraine and who is scared and doesn't know what's going to happen from day to day. So, but in fairness, the war is going on since 2014 in Ukraine. It's, you know, escalating uh, more or less since then. But now it's really um, dramatic times for Ukraine. So... Yep. I've heard some people say that. I was listening to a reporter on the BBC who's based in that region. He was saying that. He said, look, there's been a war going on here since 2014 on a low level. Now the whole world knows about it. Yep. Yeah. What's it all about, Tatiana, as you understand it? Well, you know, it's it, it's a combination of things. You know, in my own opinion, it's um, some ambitions of Mr. Putin and Russia to to take over Ukraine as as they did this with Georgia years back. So, you know, there are lots of speculations. Some people saying it's all about US and NATO. I don't think so. You know, it's it's all the the um you know, the ambitions of Mr. Putin, I would say, cuz yeah. Ukraine is a huge country. It's one of the, you know, biggest countries in terms of agricultural produce in terms of minerals and, you know, lots of things that uh, would be very attractive um, and, and easy for Mr. Putin now to take over. So, yeah. yeah. So you have your mom living alone and she's she's frightened. Have you been able to speak to her? Yeah, yeah, we are speaking now almost every day because, you know, because of the news, she is she doesn't know actually whether the the news in Ukraine uh, would be saying the you know the same things that outside of Ukraine. So we are comparing the facts, so to say, you know, just to see what's true, what's not true. But it's very difficult to to tell now. And as you say, it's a very big country. Was it forty three million people is the population? It's a very very big country. How close is she to the borders? Oh, she's not she's not close. Thank God. So she is very close to Polish border, I would say, um, uh, far away from, from the Russian border. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not something that um, would keep us <clears throat> safe or, you know, thinking that nothing can happen. Yeah. You know, because as, as they say, you know, there might be agents or whoever um, in, in different parts of Ukraine that might start some something any minute. Right, so it not necessarily has to be near the border of, with Russia. Yeah. Uh, you never know where you know the the real issue is going to start or pretend to start, and then it comes from there. Yeah. So you are not safe even if you are not close to Russia. Yeah. You also have a brother, I think. Is he in the same region? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is a bit further, but still, um, mm. yeah, he is further from there. So I have brother as well, right? Yeah, you've been here in. Ireland now, what, five years. When was the last time you were able to go home to see anybody? Yeah, it was 2018, to be frank. It was a long time ago. And um, just before COVID, my mom visited me here in Ireland. Uh, but since 20, um, early 2020, yeah, none of us were able to visit each other because of pandemic. Yeah. To those of us who, Tatiana, would look at this as a an interesting and a worrying news story, worried about the people. The politics don't concern most of us. It's the people on the ground. Yep. And as I said, I've only ever visited briefly, but a beautiful, beautiful place that you have. You it know, is. Like, the, are people genuinely scared of what might happen now? Um, I would say yes. 
it depends as well, you know, on, on the people that are able to escape country. Probably they are less afraid because they know that, you know, if they live close to the border that they can quickly probably um, uh, escape. But people like my mom who are, you know, uh, elderly people, it's not easy for them. So they would be terrified, right? But, yeah. I saw photographs of elderly people with guns, like, are, are people taking up arms just in case, Titiana? Um, I, I don't really know. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah like you, I take it your own mom doesn't have a gun or your brother doesn't have no, a gun. No, no. No, no, that's not some. And to be very frank, you know, since 2014, when the war started, there was very little um, available in terms of arms for the people to protect themselves or to, you know, um, go east of Ukraine to protect them from, from Russia. So it's, it's you know, the army itself is not well equipped. That's why, you know, the European countries are now helping with equipment. So not to say that ordinary people would have something to protect themselves. It wouldn't be true. Yeah. You said you, said you last saw your mom in, in 2018. She came to see you here. Would there be any way you could get her here now and keep her safe for a while, or your brother even? Yep, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, obviously, you know, as, as people of this age, uh, she said she she would prefer to stay where she was born and where, you know, all mm. the extended family is. So it's not easy to, to make this um, decision, but uh, this is definitely something on my mind. Yeah. F- finally, Tatiana, and obviously, as you as you can appreciate, you know, the, the language barrier blocks an awful lot of us from a full understanding of what's going on. We're dependent on the BBC and the American outlets and other outlets like that. How careful do we need to be when watching or listening to the news that we're getting the right story, do you think? Oh, you have to be very careful. And it's not only about the language barrier, it's the mentality as well. Um, you know, there, there have been years and years of um, propaganda and, um, you know, attempts to twist the truth. Um, and, you know, it's not easy to understand what's happening. So you have to be very careful what's being published or what's being said um, by, by, by Russia. So, yeah. yeah. And do you trust the BBC or CNN um, well, it's very difficult to trust anyone at the moment. So I would say uh, usually I would just cross-check a few sources just to see, you know, what's what's being said before I make my own conclusion. So I wouldn't trust any single source. All right, all right. How how come you came to Ireland in the first place, Tatiana? Before I let you go, uh, for wor- for work. So I'm I've been I was transferred uh, from the company I was working for in Ukraine and working in the same company here in Ireland. Okay, okay. Well, it's great to talk to you. Uh, may I thank compliment you. you on your perfect English? Oh, thank you so much. It's extra- <laughs> it's exceptionally good, and it's been a, ple- a pleasure to speak with you. And my regards to your mom and your brother. Oh, thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. Thanks, PJ. Here's Tatiana. 0818-969696. There's a lot in that call. There's a lot in what she has to say. I, I listen a lot. It's one of my favorite programs, actually. I listen a lot to the podcast of BBCs from our own correspondent. You try to think it's one of the most trustworthy shows, but there's what she's saying. She's saying, don't really trust anybody these days.
cross-check, double-check everything. 0818 96, 96, 96 You have to think about her brother and her mum and, and she'd love to get her mum out of there but her mum is saying, no, this is where I was born this is where I grew up, this is my home why should I leave? You really can't see her point. 0818 96, 96, 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. Coming up after 10, I'll be speaking, or I have been speaking, with a man who has spent the last 15 years uh, living from hand to mouth, from doorway to hostel, around Cork. And he's been giving me an insight into what that life is like. I caught up with him over the weekend. I'll let you hear that after 10 o'clock. But first of all, I would not have thought this would even be an issue. I would have thought we're a complete doozy, a no-brainer, that the wonderful boardwalk in Yall would be lit up. And I was shocked to discover that it's not Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, for such, and for, I mean, I haven't been in y'all by night in many a long day, as you can appreciate, but for such a beautiful facility to be unlit, like, this wouldn't even be a discussion in Spain or Portugal or anywhere like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know something, PJ, when it was happening all along and we were getting the phase two, as we call it, the newest, the newest boardwalk, um, it was discussed back then. Um, about lighting and again funding and stuff like that came up but then it was kind of put in the back burner and we just were anxious with COVID and everything to get it open last year and luckily we did but it was kind of put in the back burner so I said you know what I'm going to get out there now again and put a motion forward which I did um, so that we could put it back on the agenda but at the moment um, now I'd never say never because with politics and with my job, you come in for different with different things and you're told no, but that doesn't mean no because mm-hmm. you know I'll just keep chipping away at it because it's something that has to happen. You brought, you brought this up at the East Cork Municipal District Council of Cork County Council, so I, I assume you're asking the county council to light the boardwalk. What response did you get? <laughs> Um, I suppose the response I got was no, basically, um, no, that it won't be happening and that um, they didn't think there was a need for it for the simple reason is that they weren't encouraging people to use it in the dark, that it was more of a daytime facility and that, um, you know, for antisocial behaviour and different things like that. And I was told no. Basically, PJ, that was the answer I got. So, but I don't mind being told no because I've been told no on a lot of issues and different things. And I go back in with it again. You know, I'm actually looking and talking to different people. There's there's a boardwalk in Salt Hill, for instance, and there's lighting on that. And it can be incorporated because these boardwalks are eco boardwalks. And we know that they're timber and they're eco so that they blend in nicely with the area. Mm. So like there is... Nowadays, lovely 
eco lighting. I'm mm. not looking for big lights mm. and big lampposts going mm. all along the boardwalk at all. I'm looking for something maybe that will come up from the sand or that will come up from the boardwalk itself yeah. and it will be eco lighting. But there's you know, a hundred different LED. ways to power these lights these days. Solar power, battery power, yeah. solar power. I mean, and I'm like not talking about, you know, the ordinary light that's outside will charge a battery these days and it comes on after exactly yeah it's not a big thing at all and like at the end of the day you can buy lights now for two and three euro and i'm only talking in general and hang them on your bushes and hang them on your your trees in your garden and they light you know i know they don't give um a lot of light but it would be something and like there's no antisocial behaviour there at the moment. There's nothing like that, and that's not where I'm coming from. Mm. I'm not coming from um, now PJ saying that it's dangerous or that anything like that. I'm only coming from a facility that is being used so, so much and is being used by night. Lots of people, including myself, like to go for a walk by night. And, like, it's very safe. Y'all is very safe to go for a walk in. And I just think this would be something... I was like you. I thought, no brainer. This will happen. You know, I'd be told, yeah, we'll go for funding, which is the normal process. I don't expect them to go out next week and have it done. But we'll go through a a funding process Mm. and we will look at it. Um, But no, I was told. um, And actually what what I was told was, I don't like saying no to you, councillor, but it's no at this time. So, look, I just have to go back in again, PJ. And I will go back in with it, you know. Yeah, you you were supportive. Another councillor, Fianna Fáil, Anne-Marie Hearn, she also wanted it extended to the public toilets. Again, why isn't it running to the public toilets anyway? No, there is lighting going into the public toilets. Anne-Marie was looking for... Yeah, no, yeah, not lighting. She was looking for an area to be continued into the public toilets, some concrete. It was a different... Yeah. It was um, on the same subject of the boardwalk and the beach area, but it, was, it wasn't the lighting. She supported me with the lighting. Sure. So did Councillor Susan McCarthy. All of them, all the councillors supported me, PJ, um, because like you, it's, I thought, a no-brainer, you know, because that is such, it's such an amenity that's been used. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's actually unbelievable. It's, it's like a- You can't go down there without people there. It seems a negative attitude uh, towards developing things for people. Uh, you know, uh, might, might cause a bit of hassle, might need to go through a bit of planning. You know, the developments bring issues that need to be ironed out and by not doing yeah, it to avoid yeah. any hassle. Like, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm just a, a gob on the radio, but I imagine there would be corporate sponsors from the East Cork Industrial Area Yes. Who would queue yes. up to sponsor these lights? Yes. To have their names yes, on. I agree. Yes. You know? I so agree. Fun, funding doesn't need to be an issue here. No, no. And funding shouldn't be an issue here because you're only making something better than what it is right now. You yeah. know what I mean? You're only, um, I suppose, opening it up so that it can be used. But like, I've gone down the. Oh. Line seems to have dropped. As if to just check there, Fiona, see, is she still in the system? The council's senior executive officer for the region said there are ecological issues with lighting the area. And even if there weren't, he didn't see where the council would get funding. Well, you get funding that queue up to give you corporate sponsorship, but ecological issues, what did he mean by that, Mary, do you know? Um, I don't know, but I would imagine that he probably 
where the boardwalk phase two is, is there by, as we call it, the rifle range down mm. in Yall. You probably know it, PJ. I do, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that area is ecological with birds and with different types of wildlife. Um, it's an area that's kind of listed and that can't be touched for various reasons. So I would imagine on the inside of the boardwalk, um, you couldn't be putting lighting along there. We know, I know that. That wasn't where I was thinking of. I was thinking of something coming up from the boardwalk itself, from the the timbers, or coming up from maybe the sand, that we could something, you know, I've seen it done, and I've seen it when I've been out foreign and that, and there is nice lighting that would blend in. Oh, you know, yeah. people are it. using um, hats at the moment, PJ. I've never seen a money when I was down there um, last week there. I bumped into a couple and did these um, hats with them with kind of lights in That's the front right. of them. That's right. I've never seen them before, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and they're using them, yeah. you know. So people are going out there. Sure. People are using it. Oh, and yes. And a bit of lighting. Yes. <laughs> A bit of lighting wouldn't go yes. amiss. Mary, we'll follow it. And if you bring it up again, do let us know. Um, and I'd like to know, anybody who uses, that's Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley, thank you. I'd like to know, anyone who uses that boardwalk in Yall, would you use it of an evening? Would you use it before or after dark? I mean, okay, the evenings are going to start stretching out now. And by, I suppose, middle of March... We go on to we go on to summertime as they call it. The clocks go forward around the nineteenth or twentieth of March, and then we'll have the lovely evenings. But wouldn't be so nice just to have lights that come on there after dark, be triggered by the darkness, like the solar lights out the back garden. Those ones, solar powered lights, you know, or lights that are activated by by the by the dusk kind of thing. And there'd be corporate sponsors queuing up for the. PR of having funded that. Would someone please tell me why that's not a great idea? 0818 96 96 96. There is an an anti-racism workshop taking place this week at UCC as part of Bystander Intervention Week. The organiser, one of the organisers is Marta. Marta, good morning. Uh, hi, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, very good. Good to speak with you. Tell me about this uh, event. Tell, very, tell me first of all about Bystander Intervention Week. So the Bystander Intervention Week uh, was planned. It's the first time actually they're doing it. And the Bystander Intervention Program in UCC, it aims to educate people on sexual harassment, but also how to be an active bystander. They aim to promote a sense of responsibility for each other, you know. And it's a great program, and it's for staff and students uh, in UCC, and it lasts for about four weeks. Mm. And they just ask us if we wanted to co- collaborate with them uh, in the Fulcher Refugee Society, and we thought it was great. This is something uh, whereby we, we see something going on, we know it's not right, and we put our hand up and say, stop that. Simple as that. Exactly. They just teach you how to do it in a way that is safe for you, safe for, for the other person. It might be even a, maybe a peer of yours and you don't know how to have that difficult conversation. Or you see something happening in public and they teach you how to be that bystander that will change that the direction of that event. So today at four o'clock, what's happening? Uh, so today at uh, four o'clock, we'll, uh, at the Fall Trail Refugee Society, we'll be doing... Uh, kind of on the same format, but focused on racism. So how can you apply this to racist uh, situations? 
and it's very um, inspired on how they do the program and it will be uh, facilitated by Joana Zuckipati, who's the founder of the Good Day Cork digital magazine. So it will be great. I We know Joanna. We've spoken to her on the program a couple of times. Do you think there's a lot of racism in Cork, Marta? Well, I have to tell you something, PJ. Um, racism is a very complex issue. And I think sometimes people forget about that. They think it's only like those very scary physical situations we see on the news. And even though that happens in Ireland, but maybe it's not as, you don't see it as much as you see, for example, in the US, it still happens here. And we forget the other parts of racism, which is very uh, like microaggressions. Sometimes you don't intend to, but you say something that you don't know that will be hurtful for the other person. And sometimes it's even less than that. For example, I don't know if you saw, but last year there were two surveys that uh, showed that 94% of students of color in Ireland suffer from racism in, in school. And that's almost 100%. That's very scary number. Mm-hmm. Most, a lot of us, you say, would be unintentional. The microaggression is the modern world, but unintentional. You would have no intention of offending by your word, thought or deed, and yet you would. That's the hardest bit for the rest of us to learn, Marta, I think. Yes, I completely agree. And that's why we're having this workshop is that we believe that people want to do better, but they just don't know. And the reality is that racism is a feature of our society. And we were socialized to think the way we do. And the only way to deconstruct that is to be is to do it actively. So you can't just like snap your fingers and stop doing it. You actually need to learn how to do it. And one thing that actually we worry a lot in our society is that people of color, people from traveler communities and so on, they share their stories all the time to make us like realize what they go through. And they're very painful and traumatic. And it's very hard for them to repeat that all over again, all the time. And then we are just collecting their stories because we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't know you struggle like that. But then mm-hmm. if you don't do anything about it, what's the point of them reliving their traumas, you know? Mm-hmm. So this workshop is about that. Like, what can you do after that? Because it's not enough not to be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Do, do you find a lot, though, Marta, that when you point something out to a person, to a reasonable person, you point something out, mm-hmm. you know what, when you say that, it hurts, and here's why. Do you find that a lot of people, oh, crikey, I never thought of it that way, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it depends on people, because I, I think it's also very hard to accept that we have been socialized to think that way, and sometimes it takes a while for us to take a step back and be like, oh, actually, yeah, that that's wrong for me to say, and I didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. we have to be a bit more humble and take responsibility, and sometimes that's hard. But I really believe that many situations, education, it's all we need. And that's why we believe in these kind of workshops. Like if we teach this to people, they will do better. So where do people go today at four o'clock if they want to be part of this? So we are organizing it in our UCC campus on University College of Cork. And it's on the hub the building hub the student hub. okay listen have a good have a good event that's marta correa who's the co-organizer of today's anti-racism workshop as part of bystander intervention week it's something you learn as you go through life if someone says to you listen you know when you say that you mean no harm but it stings a bit it hurts a bit 
then we have to be prepared to say, oh, crikey, I didn't ever think of it that way. I never thought of it that way. We have to be prepared to have that conversation with ourselves, parting with each other. Thanks, Marta. 0818 96 96 96. I, mean, I heard this in the news this morning, and I've been listening to this argument going on since I was a very small boy. And I've been learning to it going on all throughout working in news and been around the city. Just observe this north side, south side divide. It's going on for as long as the apples are growing on the trees. So is the city divided? That's the question. Sinn Féin had a protest yesterday outside City Hall claiming that there is a divide and that it's in favour of the south side, and claiming that the south side gets more funding than the north side, and claiming, if you like, that that's a deliberate decision on people's behalf. Maureen Tuig went down to the protest, and she spoke to some of those who were there. I want you to think about what's been said here, and I'd like to know your response after the 10 o'clock news. Do you think there is a north side, south side divide, and do you think there is a deliberate decision to make it so? My name is David Higgins, and I'm a member of Sinn Féin. There's, um, and I said, yes, it's about time that somebody's out to stand up for the north side. The north side has been neglected for years. I come from the south side. Originally, I can tell you the north side has been neglected for years. I'm up there 30 years now, and nothing has changed, you know. Um, every time there's an announcement, they'll give it down in, out in Douglas, down in, down in Man, that area, out in Ballancolic, out towards um, the King's Hill Road. They'll all be all well, well looked after. The minute you walk across the river there, and I, and I, I suppose the last thing that really showed was with the vaccinations. That's the Northside Vaccination Centre there. We had one down in Blackrock and another one up there, Bishop's Town. So, like, it, it, they're not even trying to hide the fact that they're discriminating against the Northside. All we're looking for is a fair shake of the, the stick, basically. In the last 12 months, there'll be four major announcements of funding. Last year, last February, you had the Sustainable Transport Announcement. Um, 32 projects in the south side with 15.75 million. 12 projects in the north side, 5.75 million. That's two and a half times more money being allocated. Then on top of that, you had the TII announcement of 2 million euros, 1.1 million for the Kinsale Road, 300,000 for the Northern Ring Road, which is, a, which is a joke of a sum. And then the rest, no breakdown of the rest of the money, very little that came to the north side. Then on top of that, we had the urban regeneration and the Taoiseach announcing 405 million euros for Cork. Not one project and not one penny on the north side. It's a thundering disgrace. And I said it at the time, all these issues are raised in the Doyle. And then to go on top of that, two weeks ago, Eamon Ryan announced a great fanfare of the active travel funding, which was uh, a huge announcement. And listen, we welcomed it. This, this was great. And then when we looked into it, we did an analysis, 29 projects on the south side at 18.6 million, 12 projects on the north side at 4.9 million. Come to Tony Fitzgerald, uh, North West Ward, Fianna Fáil. So I, I'm calling on Sinn Féin to apologise to the people of the north side of the city for dividing a city and choosing to use a negative image uh, of the north side for political gain. This is all about political gain for Sinn Féin. 
if we look across the various departments, uh, it's clear that the north side of the city, there is a lot of progress and there's a lot of uh, programs going on. For instance, in Light Rail, we are at the moment uh, working with Erin Road Erin in terms of bringing connectivity uh, to uh, Kilbarry and Blackpool out to uh, out to Monard and Blarney. That would be give us a significant boost to the north side. Uh, it's been in the pipeline, but since we've come into government now, it's been uh, really underway with the signalling the signalling program uh, in Kent Station. Uh, the Northern Ring Road was on the shelf for many years. Um, now that's back in action. Um, that uh, when I was Lord Mayor, that was one of my priorities, and I'm glad to say that with the funding for the Northern Distributor Road, uh, 100,000 euro uh, uh, placed there to advance the project, that is now off the shelf, and that has been advanced uh, significantly. These are two major um, infrastructure projects that will give the North Side the boost that it needs in terms of housing and development, um, and they are crucial. Uh, as similarly to what the Dunkettle and the South Link Road is to the south side. So it's not about dividing the city, it's about making the connectivity from the Glanmire Toll right up to the pole, across the north side, up to the Pole of Owen, uh, out to the Pole of Owen in Baden College. Um, we've seen significant funding coming in from major projects um, in, uh, in the Northwest Ward. We have, one of the, uh, we have the largest primary care unit in the country. Um, with a multitude of services up there, uh, the urgent care unit from the Mercy Hospital, Heather House, uh, Ophthalmic and GP, GP training. It's, a, it's an, an enormous campus, the best in the country, not alone in Cork City. Uh, that's a significant uh, boost, not alone to the people of the north side, but to the whole city. Um, we have the, uh, a multi-million regeneration project in, 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 in the Cork Northwest Quarter, which includes Nakdahini and other areas. Multi-million projects coming in here in, in, into uh, the north side. Um, and, you know, huge projects right across parks, right across the, the environment department. Um, you know, we're, they're in their multitude and we are uh, advancing them with funds. Councillor Tony Fitzgerald, I'm a Southsider who has worked on the north side for over 30 years. And I don't know who's right and who's wrong there. You know, it sounds like politicians going, mine is bigger than yours. No, yours is bigger. Is it, though? I'd like your thoughts. Do you think there is a north-south side divide? And is it deliberate? After the news. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Cork's 96FM has a shiny new phone number. 0818 96 96 96 Save it to your phone now. 0818 96 96 96 the number you need for Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just thinking back over that package we had from Oraid before the news about the north side, south side 
divide. And like I said, I'm a, a Southsider. I grew up on the South Side. I've worked on the North Side and divided my time between North Side and South Side for 30 years. If I was to be very honest, does the South Side get more in terms of development and in terms of money and in terms of spend than the North Side? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I mean, the North Ring Road has been inadequate almost since the day it opened. And nothing's been done about about improving it. In as long as I'm driving up there and driving up past it, it's it's people have been talking about it since the day it opened that it wouldn't be enough. And it's pretty much sitting there ever since. That's just one thought that comes to my mind. Um, but I'd like to know, and I'll let you sort of give me your thoughts in whatever form you want uh, on the phone at 0818969696 on the text or WhatsApp at 083-396-9696 fling us over an email opinion at 96fm.ie and I'll just hold on to these for a little while and come back to you afterwards. Do you think it's kind of a two-part question. Do you think that there is a north-side-south-side divide? And do you think that it's deliberate? There's no doubt that there is a divide. I've seen that myself over many years working on the north side as I grew up and lived on the south side. But do you think it's deliberate? Do you think that people sit down inside in City Hall and go, ah, well, shag that now, we'll give that five billion to the south side because we're not giving it to the north side. Do you think people do that? 0818... 96, 96, 96. Cash cow is coming up in the next half an hour. That's all I'll tell you. In the next half an hour. Thousands and thousands of euro to be given away. See how much moolah we can get you for this hour with uh, Man Point. Catch a movie. Explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. Mahanpointsc.ie. The cash cow only on Quarks 96 FM. If you got the password from the boys this morning, we'll be looking for it, but not just yet. Not just yet. 0818969696. I read about Gary O'Brien in the Echo a week or two ago, and his story was fascinating. And he has been homeless in Cork for 15 years. At one point, he lived in a cafe. He, he now works in that cafe. But there was just something about the guy that I wanted more. I wanted to know more. And I wanted to talk to him. And uh, yes, our last Saturday morning we met in town. Um, we had coffee in the Three Fools just there in the Grand Prix. It was actually a lovely, lovely morning. I wanted to find out more about this. He's originally Kerryman, but as you'll hear, he has his Cork accent as, as any of the rest of us because he's been here that long. Here's Gary. So, Gary, I'll start by asking you a very simple question. As we sit here on a beautiful day, uh, right here in the Grand Parade, having a cup of coffee, where'd you stay last night? I stayed in emergency accommodation in the Vincent's. I got put up there recently, and it's only temporary for now until uh, the APS finds somewhere else. The APS being? The assisted house services will co-work alongside the Vincent's and the Simon. And uh, they're, they're trying to sort me out with somewhere else at the moment as I'm working, and... Where I am at the moment in the Vincent's is just... It's okay, but it's, it's just not for me. Yeah. You, you don't like the hostel system, do you? It's, it's uh, it, There's no depending, like, do you know what I mean? Because you're here one night and there are some other night and can't really relax, you know? Every night's different, and, and at any stage it can kick off. Mm. Too many people co-living together and 
70 odd different rooms and you have all the addictions and everything else that goes with it it's it's tough how long are you living like that oh on and off I suppose between 12 and 15 years take me back to the start how did it all start the very start uh, it started when I was living in Kerry in Tralee I had a council house I was living with my kids and my missus had the life but I was a bit of a delinquent I went to bed and done something misfortunately stupid and I ended up going to prison then a couple of months for selling amphetamines right. I'm not proud of it but I'm paying for it now the frightened centre I became homeless and because of my background and who I was I found it very hard to find rented accommodation or even any kind of accommodation because when you get a stigma and your name gets blackened that's it nobody wants to know anything about you like how come you moved to Cork then? There was nothing down there for me. Like, I was being intimidated, harassed. People I used to deal with along the street. And it just kind of drove me out to the point of, look, you're better off moving because you're not going to get anything down here. I couldn't get employment, couldn't get housing, couldn't even find a rented accommodation. I mean, it was bad when the young council officer turned around and taught me I'm better off to move because they had nothing for me. Even though, even though I had 15 years on the council list and everything, like, and still no offers or anything. They just left me on the street. And where were you living down there? Were you just literally sleeping in doorways? Literally sleeping anywhere I could put my head down, couch surfing, staying with friends, booking into B&Bs, hostels whenever I had money, just literally living on the breadline, trying to keep my head over water. Were you drinking? I was. I drank just to sleep. Because there yeah, was you said that in the paper, I read that in the paper, and I wanted to delve into that a little bit. You said to me that so many people we see around the streets drinking heavily, yeah. they're doing it just to get a night's sleep. They already are, yeah. Because if you can imagine what it's like to sleep on the street, it's, it's, it's terrible. But 90% of the people that sleep on the street don't even sleep. They're just resting. They're just lying there with their eyes closed, looking at the back of their eyelids, so to speak. But if you walked within three inches of them, they're wide awake. Because they have to, it's fear, in case they get attacked or robbed or something. So they're just really resting. So in order to get a good night's sleep, it's just saying to hell with it and getting drunk. And whatever happens, happens. You won't feel it. You're asleep. And you kind of enjoy it at times because you're getting a night's sleep. I mean, I even got robbed in broad daylight. My shoes got taken off my feet. One day, one day when I fell asleep and that was here in the city so you actually don't fall asleep you for don't. self-protection you just, that's what it is the more you have to be alert you have to be awake if you're not you lose you lose everything I know a fella that even lost his false teeth Do you know took his passport took his phone took all his credentials and said F- it we'll just take his teeth as well <sighs> to no purpose they are of anybody else's they just took his teeth knowing he couldn't afford to buy another set now how did you come to be involved with the Haven then um I met a woman called Hazel she runs Street Angels very good friend of mine and uh it just happens that she knew the management of the Haven who actually turned out afterwards. I actually knew him myself from years and years ago back in Kerry when I was a kid. And 
he just gave me a chance to prove myself. I lived there for a couple of months in the ca- in the cafe through the lockdown, myself and another friend. And he offered me a place in the kitchen, working as a breakfast cook, and I took it mm. just to give me something to do. Mm. And I'm actually happy. You still have that job? I still have that job, and I'm going to hold on to it as long as I have. Because yeah. it's hard enough to get one, mm. yeah. you know? And, and are you a cook, or did you train as a cook? No, I've always only ever worked in demolition and blockling and mechanics and lumberjack. Yeah. You know, but the fella gives you a start, you take it. You just take it. I mean, how hard is it to cook sausages? Come on, like. <laughs> you know? There's even a buddy of mine called me Poison the Parish. He thought I couldn't cook. <laughs> but you look, yeah. I'm down only three and a half months now and nobody's died yet, so. Yeah, good It's man. an achievement. It, it, it's, it is an achievement. So, hey, what age you? I'm 38 now. 38. And the understanding now, as I see it, is you're in the Vincent's, you're moving around as you have to. What you want is a place to close the door behind you and put down your head. That's basically Why it. Why is that so hard, Gary? It, it just seems to be rent increasements and property taxes and it puts it out of reach for everybody that's on the street because they don't have a source of income. They're finding it hard as it is to get some social welfare and some of them are dealing with addictions, some of them are just dealing with the day-to-day survival. I mean... There's hidden homeless that won't even avail of the street runs because they're too embarrassed. Mm. You know, and I knew I know that first time because I even as a homeless man I used to volunteer with a homeless group to help to feed the homeless. And I see it myself and then there was people I didn't even never seen on the street, I just seen them in hidden corners, different sides of the city. But what they forget is the further you go out of the city, it means the further you have to come back in just to get fed. So people go away off the outskirts for safety. Then they forget that they have to come back anyway and face their demons. You were saying before we started, you were talking about the various groups from Katrina Toomey to others. You're saying like that people like you would be dead only for oh, many nights. I, I don't even think I'd be here talking to you, to be fair. Because like a lot of those street runs, they actually drive around looking for the homeless, for the hidden homeless, because they're too embarrassed to come out. So they will go and source them out and find them. Katrina Toomey does it. Uh, there's Cork, there's a new one, Cork Community Alliance does it. Uh, street Angels do it. Shulna Kudja do it. But they also have their street run down on the corner. Then they advertise for pastors that do the walk around. Yeah. Then you have the Cahaven Cafe where you can walk in and you'll even get a free breakfast if you can't afford it from time to time. And do you know the way we're always told, oh, there's a bed for anybody who wants it? Is That's, that true? No, I found that to be a complete lie. Complete lie. I mean, I've even lost work because I couldn't get in there at night. Yeah. I mean, you do a day's work, you come back, and they tell you to go away and do a couple of laps till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and to come back then and get up again at 7 to go to work. I lost a job in Kinsale over that. Right. So now they thought I was drinking. I wasn't. I was working from 7 in the morning till after 7 in the evening. Yeah. Two buses to get back to the city to be told to go away. I don't get it, like. No, you're currently trying to find yourself somewhere, so let's go through a little bit of the the rigmarole that you have to deal with. So you present yourself and you say I'm homeless. What what, what happens then? You fill out paperwork stating where you came from, uh, have you any dependents on you, like for kids, you sign up all the paperwork, they send you to the APS, the APS sends you to the council, the council sends you back around in another circle, 
and before you know it, you're on a revolving door without even knowing it. They just never deal with you. The idea of having an address. But sure, how can you have an address when you're homeless? It is pretty damn hard to get one. The thing and can you use, like, if you have a bed in a place, like you have a bed in the Vincent's? Or if you can get... Can you use the, be- the you Vincent's c- as your address? You could, you could, yeah, but you have to get a letter from them stating you have permission. Right. And in order to get that letter, you have to be assessed by them. And in order for you to be assessed by them, you have to be assessed by the APS to get in there. And in order for you to be assessed by the APS, you have to be on the council list. And in order for you to get on the council list, you have to have an address. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a roundabout. It's a complete roundabout. It starts off with you needing an address to end up right back with you needing an address. Now, you, you said to me that you're, you're youngsters. What age are they? One is, my oldest is 21 and my youngest is 18. You have a good relationship with them? I do, yeah. And, and, and your ex? I do, yeah. Are they, and are much. they all living in Cork? No? They're all living in Cork, yeah. yeah. Now, people will ask, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Would you not go live with them? No, I couldn't. They'll be like mo- you moving in with your ex, PJ. Yeah. You know, no. if you get on... We get on, That's but about as much as That's as far as it goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... Where do you see yourself? How do you see yourself getting out of this, ever? One day at a time. It's just one day at a time. I mean, tomorrow morning I could get up and I could say, to hell with this. Just going away getting drunk, but that's that's just being defeated. Yeah, it's, it's a struggle, it's a fight, it's an everyday get up and I'm going to change, I'm going to do something different today. And, and no matter what it is... a personal question, are you clean at the moment? Yeah. Good man. Good man. I am. Man. And is it is it literally clinging to that surprise oh, by your fingernails? Like? It's just an, the knowing that this time two weeks ago I was hugging the concrete and two weeks later I have a bait and it's only an emergency bait but it's a bait so it's progress so any day you get make progress it's the willing and stating to yourself right I'm making a difference I'm getting there I'm scraping through I don't know how I'm doing it but I'm doing it and I'm going to keep on doing it until I get to some bit level ground so I can say this is where it begins again and is that a bit soul destroying where you're asking yourself here I am clean and sober doing my best working my job staying where I'm supposed to stay for the moment what if there was one thing that to use that term the system could give you what would it be if it's one thing that the system could give me what would it be Besides the obvious, a house. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say a bit of dignity. Yeah. Because. Expand on that. I mean, as a homeless person getting up, wanting to go into the, all these offices and speak to people, do you know what I mean? Of. What's a good way of putting it? To speak to people of a higher authority over the housing crisis or social welfare crisis and this, stuff like that. I mean, they have to actually see you as a person. But nine times out of ten, they look at you like you're a piece of glass. They see you, but they just want to look straight through you. They don't want to deal with you. They just fill in the paperwork, drop it in the bin, move on to the next person. And it's destroying. Your pride, your guilt, everything about it just destroys you. And you just feel like you just don't want to do this anymore. I don't know how many times I filled their posing applications, and they were just, oh, not in the system. We didn't receive them. 
wasn't filled in right, we sent it up the pay train. Never comes back. And you're back at the square one again, restarting all this paperwork over and over again. And for me personally as a homeless man, the last thing I want to hear is paperwork. Because it just seems to never end. I mean, put me on a housing list, tell me I have to wait 10 years. Here's a place where you can go and rent, no problem. That's grand. It means I don't have to see these people again for 10 years and keep my head above water. And I managed to maintain a place. But you don't get them opportunities. If somebody went into the emergency services around the city or any county in Ireland and look at the way that they're ran and then go on the street and see the homeless people on the street that can't get help, you'd come to the conclusion the same thing as I have. They're being ran wrong. They're completely being ran wrong. There's lads inside there and young ones that can actually go home, but they choose to keep to their addictions and their parents told them and goes, look, you can come home, but don't come back to my house drinking and I know your head. I don't want you around my door. And they choose to stay out drinking and out of their head. And they're taking up spaces then in different places where genuine homeless people that have nowhere to go and haven't got that opportunity to go home could avail of that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember talking to a family a few years ago. Where a man was found in a, in a bad way, shall we say. Not very far from where we're sitting now. And I spoke to one of the people who found him. And I say within 10 minutes, his mother was on the phone. And she said, he's welcome home any time if he cleans himself up. This is it. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people in different places and counties in Ireland have the same, the same insight. Clean your act up, you're welcome home. But as long as you're on that path, stay away from my door. And is it that they don't understand, Gary, how hard it is to clean yourself up? I think so. I think I think it's a 50-50. Like, parents don't understand how hard it is to beat an addiction because they actually don't understand it. I mean, every... Is there bro- times, like you said to me while I go, sorry for a question, you said to me while I go about the bit where you, you sometimes drink just for a night's sleep. Yeah. Is it that sometimes, Gary, the addiction is all you've got? That's it. That's, all, that's, that's the only thing you can own. It's the only thing you can actually turn around and say, that's mine. It's my addiction. I drink. I mean, there was a time in my life I couldn't walk into any shop and the first thing I'd lamp my eyes on was the off-license section. It wouldn't even be food, it wouldn't even be cigarettes, whatever was essential. It was just straight lock on the alcohol. I mean, I've often remembered walking through a shop and without even realising that I had a can in my hand. And a lad said it to me in treatment. He goes, Gary, he said, why have you always got a cup in your hand? I said, I really don't know. I said, it's a habit. He said, I think it's just because you've always had the can in your hand. You, you have to hold something in your hand. He said, so try to replace a can with a coffee. How'd you get on? I said, well, while I'm in treatment, I've done it. And I said, I'm wired over coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I, you get good sides of it, you get bad sides of it. And nothing about homeless is nice. What drives you on? What keeps you going? The willing to succeed. To say, I can get out of this. It's... It's like a Dyson Hoover, keep trying to suck you back, but you've got to keep pushing forward. It's, it's all you have. Yeah. You cling to your, the, the, the job you have and you cling to the base you have for now. Clinging to every bit of it. And the one thing about the haven where I work is a lot of the regulars, they're all gone through addiction of different sorts and stuff like that, and some of them are in AA. So it kind of feels like I'm working in an AA centre. Because mm. no matter what, on, what side of the cafe I look at, if somebody went down that road, told that story, and could help you, and talks about it anyway. And there's support there in that. There's, there's support in every bit of it. 
So that's good in itself, you know? Even through the lockdown, like, I was on the street, me and a few of my mates. Right. What was that like? Rough. I mean, there was no one around. I mean... Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I've never seen this city as quiet. You can look from one end of the street to the next and not see a person. Yeah. You know, that was ridiculous. But... As a homeless person, you don't have any place to go. Yes. So the street is all you had. So what was whoever was on the street is all we had. Street people had street people, and that was it. Street, and have we, and we've a lot of them. Too many. Have you lost friends on the streets? I have. I've lost. In the last five years, I'd say about ten. And that's just through addiction and homelessness. It's ridiculous, like. A mate of mine told me months and months ago, and I actually put it in the newspaper as well, it was a very good statement, everybody's only a fag paper away from homelessness. Because you have people of higher authority. They have a mortgage, they have high purchase cars, they have all their lifestyle they have to pay for. I mean, two bad months they of work, everything lapsides. Before you know it, you got into bankruptcy. After that is homelessness. So, the richest man in the country could be sitting beside me tomorrow night with a sleeping bag. Have and he'd be wondering how he got there. Do you know? Have you hopes and dreams? Oh, I hope one day to be retired out to Spain, <laughs> living the dream. But, you know... With a bit of luck, I'd be living in the house next door to you. With a bit of luck. Before I finish now, what's, what's the plan for the day? I'm going helping the co-owner of Street Angels prepare for Monday night for the homeless run to help look after the homeless. And you're back cooking breakfast on Monday morning? Back cooking breakfast Monday morning, crack it on. Gary, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I wish you nothing but success, mate. You too, PJ, man. Enjoy your day. What a lovely guy. What a lovely, lovely young man. Uh, with a great chat and a laugh and a cuppa Saturday. That's Gary O'Brien laying an awful lot of truth bare, uncomfortable truth, particularly about the revolving door system. He doesn't have the answers. 
someone is paid an awful lot more than me and an awful lot more than him to have those answers. Your thoughts, 0818 96 96 96. The Cork's 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Right. Thousands and thousands of euro to give away. You got a password this morning with Casey and Ross. I'm not going to repeat it, and I don't want you to repeat it either when I bring you on the air. Just let us know that you know it. Text or WhatsApp now to 083-396-9696. Let us know that password for your chance to play. Cork's 96FM Cash Cow with Mahan Point. Catch a movie. Explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. I mentioned at the top of the show this morning that we had to get familiar with two names, Dudley and Eunice. Dudley's coming our way around Wednesday and Eunice will follow hot on Dudley's heels at the end of the week. At the moment, it's Eunice looks like more of a threat to us down here in the south. She's an angry-looking mama, as I said, according to the uh, Magic Seaweed app that I love. Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather has been comparing all the maps and all the charts. Alan, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Two of them, back-to-back, Dudley and and Eunice. Tell me more. Yeah, a bit like waiting for a bus. We had a very uh, settled period of weather, but now the jet stream is firing in all cylinders and heading our direction. Um, which is going to fire up two pretty nasty low-pressure systems. The first one, as you say, is Dudley. Um, now, it will pass well to the north of Ireland, but it's, it's got a very large wind field associated with it. So it, it, you still will feel the, feel the force of, um, of Dudley down south even. It'll be, it'll be windy tonight. It'll be wet this evening and windy tonight, and the winds will ease off a small bit um, overnight but they'll pick up again then tomorrow. And still tomorrow afternoon, you, you will see some very strong winds um, right across the country, including in the south and also some, some heavy showers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst of it will be on the west coast. The other problem is very, as you mentioned, the Magic Sea, with very high seas associated with Dudley. Now, more so on the, the west and the northwest. Um, and we have high tides at the moment as well. So coastal flooding could be an issue. Um as I say, especially in the west and, and the northwest, and then we have a bit of a, a bit of a respite on Thursday before Eunice decides to come along as well. Now Eunice is a really interesting one, and it's going to be very hard to nail Eunice's kind of path mm. and impact down. It, a very unusual. The UK Met Office named named the two of them and named Eunice, you know, very well in advance, five days in advance, which mm. is very unusual for a storm. Because even the Met Aaron weather warnings only really go out three days, so we don't even have any warnings for Friday yet. Now the latest weather models have shifted Eunice's track a little bit further south. If that was to hold firm, we would escape the worst of it, but yourself down the south would take the brunt of it. Mm. Now. The other problem with Eunice is not just wind, but there's also potential for snow. Oh. Now, that that probably will be more northern areas, but again, it all depends on the track. So as, as Eunice pulls away, 
it's going to have some very cold air being pulled in the back end of it. And that rain is going to turn to sleet and possibly to snow. So if you think about the weather models, if, if as Eunice tracks, if the track of the storm kind of comes in, the centre of it comes in over Ireland, then the, you know, the snow will be to the north of it um, and the strongest winds will be to the southwest of it. But if, the, if it tracks further south, then that will have the snow, obviously, further down south as well. Okay. But thankfully, that would keep the, wind, the winds more out to Irish Sea. Anybody heading for a ferry on Friday um, across the Irish Sea will need to keep a very close eye because that magic seaweed app will show you some high seeds. Yeah, seas on yeah Friday she's going to track up. She's going to pass this. According to what I was looking at last night, and you, you'll notice I replied to your tweet with a screenshot. It notices they're coming in south southwest in the early morning time but then tracking up and into the Irish Sea which like you say very worrying for ferries Yeah certainly a risk of some, some disruption to ferries um, on, on Friday and and the reason why it was named so early by the UK Met Office is it then heads to, to impact Wales, England and Scotland um, now again the track there will determine them but there, there's a real risk of some really high snowfall and blizzards for parts of Scotland or Northern England. So that's going to be a concern for them, but also some very strong winds coming in. So okay. Eunice has kind of taken an unusual track where it's it's going to come just to the south of us maybe or in over us and then head across. And it's still kind of going to have... A, a lot of the time these storms are kind of fading out as they come towards us, where unfortunately Eunice is really only powering up as it gets close to us. Yeah. Um, so it's still going to have a fair bit of power as it moves across. Yeah, she's she's a nasty looking doozy, all right. Alan, thanks very much, Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather. With two storms coming, Dudley, we won't see the worst of Dudley, but depending on where Eunice decides to go, we could see anything from heavy winds and rain to a bit of snow, and the ferries could be disrupted on Friday. Thanks, Alan. That magic seaweed app, I've been talking about it for years, it's a hefty, clunky awkward thing to use but if you can get used to it it's brilliant at, at spotting these storms days out and at tracking them too 0818 96 96 96 Bernard Bernard O'Hare was listening to Gary fair play to you for all you do that was a powerful interview great to hear the stories being told so many died without telling their stories respect for that a lot of traffic between St. Luke's and Brian Baru Street and beyond. Anybody know what's going on there? That came in a while ago. Maybe it's cleared by now. Not sure. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Oh, yeah, anybody, anybody trying to go out shopping in Dunn's in Bishopstown this morning? Are they still blocking it? Can you get into Dunn's in Bishopstown? The farmers protest there all day yesterday and overnight and to do with uh, prices. Can you get into Duns and Bishopstown? Has anybody tried? Right, let's do this. Corks 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Okay, hello Shirley. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, very good. You're set. Now, don't give it to me, but you yeah. got the password this morning and you got yeah. through. All right. Yeah. How much would you like to win if you could win it? Come here, I'd be happy with a hundred euro bike. Would you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My smartphone has been christened on Saturday. Oh so, God. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, here's what you got to do. I'm gonna let the I'm gonna let the money roll. Right. Yeah. So, you need to stop the clock. If okay. you're happy with the amount mentioned, you need yeah. to say stop. 
if you if the cow moves, you lose. Oh, so, okay, Remember okay, that. So yeah. you might get a mention. You get a, you get an amount. Then you get another amount. You can decide what you're going to do. But if the cow moves, you yeah. lose. Are we okay. good to go? Are we good to We're play? We're good to go. Let's All right. On. Here we are. <laughs> Two hundred euro. What do you want to oh do? God, stop. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. You want to stop? stop. Okay. Yeah, all, right, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> 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 You're going to stop on 200? Yes, I am. Well, well then why not, you see, because you stopped on 200, right? Yeah. Let, let's find out where he was actually oh, no, going don't. to go. I want to hang up now. No, 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 I don't hang, hang up at all. Don't hang up at all. Here's where he was going to go. 250 euros. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so you don't, don't always have to stop on the first one, but 200 quid, that'll yeah. pay That'll pay for the christening. At least it'll go yeah. somewhere towards it. All right, Shirley. Yeah. Stay in the line. We'll get a few more details, Thanks, okay? Everyone, Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Our latest winner. And the cash cow on Cork's 96FM. See how much moolah you can milk from our cow. The cow is down in Mahan Point, by the way. Get a photograph, get a selfie. You can do all that stuff on Instagram. There's more money there. I'll tell you more another day. More money there. But Cash Cow with Mahan Point. Catch a movie. Explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. Mahanpointsc.ie for more details. Cash Cow only on Cork's 96 FM. I just see the Russia Today, the Twitter. Now, this is a state-backed... Uh, state-affiliated Russian media service. So, as Tatiana was saying to us earlier on this morning, you know, take everything that you see and hear and check it. But according to Russia Today, they've just tweeted that the Russian troops are now heading back to their permanent bases after successfully finishing military drills. If we are to interpret that, I guess it's that the thing around the Ukrainian border was a drill. So, is it pulling its troops away from the border? No doubt that will develop during the day. 0818 96 96 96. Kevin was listening also to Gary and said he was laying bare the roundabout system that's been in place as long as I can remember. I'd love to hear someone justify its existence. Someone has to be accountable. And you know that the city manager has the radio on. We do indeed. Good morning, Anne. Uh, 0818969696. Good as time as any, I think, uh, Fiona, to just come back to the Kilbritton story from yesterday. We were talking to parents from Kilbritton National School about what seems to be the demise or the planned demise of the early intervention class for September. And that the school themselves are quite happy to keep the early intervention class. But the National Council for Special Education, the NCSE, has decided the special class must go, uh, and it's due to go. Now, they, we got a statement from the NCSE, which is kind of suggesting that that was always the agreed plan, if I'm reading it correctly. But just to give you the gist of it, it says the school has two ASD classes and one, one early intervention class. The early intervention class opened in September 2020 to meet the needs of six children. The school, in conjunction with the NCSE, agreed that while the class would open as an early intervention class, it would redesignate as a primary ASD class in September 2022 to meet the projected demand. It was further noticed, or noted rather, the class would cater for the students enrolled in the early intervention class 
should they continue to require a special place. It says the NCSE is always grateful to schools who express a willingness to open a special class to meet the educational needs of students in their local communities. It'll work closely with all stakeholders, including parents and schools, to ensure the best placements are available and consistent with best practice. But effectively, their statement to us regarding Kilbritton School is that that was always the agreed plan. So where do you go now? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Evie, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How's it going? Good. You tweeted that the HSE had left you so long without pain management and treatment for chronic fatigue that you have become deconditioned. What do you mean by that? So, um, obviously I was born with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, but I wasn't diagnosed um, until I was 26. Now, I showed signs of it, again, from when my parents adopted me when I was 12 weeks old. They took me to their GP for a checkup, and he said, there's something not quite right about this child. (laughs) Um, That, you know, I was a very floppy baby and things like that. And then as I was growing up, there was always something there but it wasn't until I was 26 that I was actually diagnosed and it's a genetic condition and purely because the expertise and the knowledge and the um the way Ehlers-Danlos that what doctors are taught about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um you know is is very far removed from the lived experience of patients so you know they'll be told about you know the most extreme cases of people who are basically mm-hmm. contortionists um and um you know their skin is super stretchy and things like that yeah um so you know i was 26 i was already after i mean i was it really started kicking off when i hit puberty really which is quite common in girls because uh, a lot of hormone involvement and um then particularly in pregnancy it really really progressed uh, you know, I went to my GP and I said, there's there's something very wrong with me. I'm in pain all the time. I can't, you know, can't keep my eyes open. Um, initially thought it was just being a new mom and that was, but it was just, it kept going. And then the GP was like, yeah, you're depressed. That's what's wrong with you. Um, you know, it quote unquote, it's all in your head. Mm-hmm. And so I was put on antidepressants for years and years and years. And then I finally went and uh, got a diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I was on antidepressants for eight years mm-hmm. um, when I could have been, when my pain could have been treated. And then, so in 2017, my GP uh, wrote a referral uh, for me to see a pain specialist publicly. I'd seen one privately, but it was obviously very, very expensive and being on disability, I couldn't really afford to be mm. doing it continuously because they wanted to try all different kinds of treatments. And one treatment I tried uh, that my father uh, kindly paid for was, you know, uh, an experimental thing that cost 1,400 euro. Yeah. Um, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really a viable option. So yeah, five years ago, my GP sent a referral for pay public uh, pain management I still haven't been seen I get a letter once a year asking me do I still need to be seen hold on hold on hold on your doctor referred you five years ago yeah and you haven't been seen yet no okay no 
And they, they send me a letter once a year. Do you still need to be seen? I'm like, yes, I still need to be seen. Um, you know, I'm on the maximum dose now of uh, the painkiller I'm on. Uh, it, it's a case now of just being on it, um, one, to prevent um, me going to withdrawals and, and two, uh, just something to take, just to take the edge off the pain. But like, <clears throat> it's exhausting being in, in pain. So I obviously get very tired and so when I suffer from chronic fatigue as well as, as one of the comorbidities. Um, and, you know, as a result of being kind of left my own devices um, and, and to look after myself um, without any proper management, it means that I've gained weight, which obviously means that there's more stress on my joints. It's um, not like you can go running around the block, A, when you have EDS and B, when you have chronic yeah. fatigue, like... And pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, um, and it, I mean, this is all like the way I am now. And like I've just discussed here on the show about, you know, uh, needing to use a wheelchair when I'm out and about and things like that. I mean, I was the, <laughs> my parents would tell you <laughs> that they were exhausted from driving me around from, uh, you know, hobby to hobby on a Saturday mm. morning when I was growing up, I did Irish dancing, I did taekwondo, I did tennis, um, you know, I did horse riding. I was really, really active and really, really fit. Um, and then, like I said, when I hit puberty, it all kind of yeah. went haywire. Uh, you know, my knees started going and everything. I'm still sitting here trying to get my head around something you told me about two minutes ago. Five yeah. years Five since, years, but like your doctor it's, wrote it's, a referral letter to a pain specialist. Yeah, yeah, I know. And the doctors keep like every time I go down, I'm like, and they were like, you haven't been seen yet. I'm like, no. And you know, during the pandemic and everything, they're like, okay, it's going to be, you know, you're not going to be seen this year. Um, you know, but uh, and even supposing you were COVID, able, you know, sorry, supposing you were able to go privately. And don't don't yeah. name the specialist now, but supposing you were able to go privately to the same specialist. How quickly could you mm. get in? Oh, I'd 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 be seen um, when I when I went the first time privately. Uh, I wasn't waiting any more than a couple of months, you know. Yeah, and it, it's so, yeah, you know, it's so. And and this is the is this the problem with the health system, the two tier you know health system that we have is that, um, unfortunately. Uh, the way that um, things go is that, you know, a lot of time private patients get uh, prioritised so hospitals can pay their bills, um, you know, and it's not done kind of an assessment of need rather than, you know, how much money you have. And obviously I can't get health insurance, you know, because I have a pre-existing condition. Yes. And, you know, I've got two children who have this condition as well. And, you know, this is, um, you know, why I'm so vocal and, you know, and why... Me, is there still kind of, no, because I know I've talked to you before and I know I've talked to Lauren Walsh many times, but is there still mm. no specialist in the country doing EDS? No, there is there is none. And it, it's so funny because since I was diagnosed, which is like, you know, uh, I was diagnosed in 2013 and uh, I've been writing letters uh, to TDs all, from all different parties in all parts of the country um, you know, asking for help and, and so many other patients have as well. And we all keep getting the same letter back from the HSC saying, oh, your room, our rheumatologists are able to uh, look after patients. And it, it's funny because when I 
got a private diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, I was kind of uh, questioned about it going, oh, I don't think that's what you have. It's as rare as hen's teeth. Uh, you know, that, you know, a lot of doctors are taking advantage of patients and people are buying diagnoses. So I said, all right, send me to a public uh, rheumatologist. Mm. Went into the public rheumatologist and he said, you know, what can I do for you? I said, I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and I'm struggling with it. And he said, look, to be honest, he was like, I don't know why you're here because you're already diagnosed. I can't do anything else. Like, that's all I can do is diagnose. Oh, yeah. So he confirmed, the di- he confirmed the diagnosis and sent me on my way. It's like... My husband came with me that time to that appointment because, like, I was like, you, I was like, I need somebody to come in and li- and watch how I'm actually treated because people were like, that can't be happening. This can't yeah. be happening. So I brought my husband in with me, you know, and he was like, I never realized just how bad it is. And it's even worse again, like, when you're a woman um, with chronic pain because we are not taken, and there's research to show this that we are not taken seriously. Um, and at in actual fact, women with Ehlers Danlos syndrome wait eight years longer than men mm-hmm. for a diagnosis, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we tend to be the ones that are more severely affected. I was by just it. I was just going to say that Evie, I am out of time for no reason other than that. I leave it there with you today. Thanks for that. I'm, I wish you well. Best I can do for you. Five years. That's the bit I can't get my head around. Uh, that's the worst I've heard in an awful long time. Five years ago, her doctor wrote the letter to the pain specialist and she still has not been seen. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Caller was listening to Evie. I feel so sorry for her. I'm going through this myself. It's awful. I do have private health insurance. Anytime I get pain, I ring my consultant. I get a bed. You're only using the bed for four hours. I get a bill for 1,500 quid, but I don't have to pay that. She needs to push this. I'm sure Evie is pushing it as hard as she can. But thanks, caller. Uh, Gary, listening to Gary, uh, I must say the APS service assisted me quickly when I was homeless. There's zero reason why homeless people can't get help. Absolutely zero reason. I think the HAP service is deplorable. A laughable initial payment offering. If someone has a deposit and rent up front, they'll get a place ahead of a HAP applicant. In 2022, it should work way more seamlessly. And that's, I think, what Gary was saying. It's an ever-increasing circle, around and around and back and forth and around and around and back and forth. Drive you mad. Now, Councillor Ted Tynan has been on to say that there's been wild birds being captured up in Mayfield and the surrounding areas. Now, Ted was telling us how this works. He said, be on the lookout. Lines, people are stringing lines between trees and then the birds fly into the lines and get caught. Unfortunately, of course, they get injured and their legs break and things like that and they can get too entangled in them and all that. If you should see it happening, make a noise. 
if if you think there's something happening, if you think there's something stuck up, make an eye, be conscious of your own safety, obviously make sure that there's no one around. But make some kind of a noise and frighten the birds away. But he said there's, there's lines, I've heard of this before. This used to happen long ago. People would string a line between two trees where they know the birds are coming in and they'd catch the birds and you know yourself. Thanks for that, Ted. And we warn people. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Also, people calling us to say they can't get into Duns in Bishopstown. Adrian's a driver with DPD. He says you can't get into Duns. I was delivering this morning. I was blocked for about 30 minutes there. The farmers were there overnight and this morning. Uh, they're complaining about prices for their produce and they say they won't move until such time as they get a D. I to talk to Duns. They've talked to all the others. They've talked to Little and they've talked to. Tesco and they've talked to, I presume, Super Value as well, but they're not hearing. Oh, here we go. There's just been uh, an update there in the news. I think there's uh, Duns are meeting them, so it'll come to an end soon. Thanks for that. Missed that. <laughs> I went to the little boy's room. 0818 96, 96, 96. Yesterday I was chatting to Mark Ryan. Remember Mark was telling me about his uh, recent bout of very bad mental health, a breakdown before Christmas and psychiatric treatment and all that. Now, now he's on the mend. It's slow, it's hard, there are very good days and there are very bad days, but he's getting there and he's a lot stronger than he was and he knows he's got a long road to go and he's going to be on meds for for quite some time. We had a good long chat about it, him and me. But he mentioned his chronic illness. Uh, which was one of the first reasons I ever spoke to Mark in the opinion line, was this strange illness from which he suffers. Let's listen back to that. I was diagnosed in 2017 uh, with methemoglobinemia, so it's, uh, my red blood cells don't carry oxygen around my body um, properly. So where the average person has a blood oxygen level of kind of 95% to 100%, my daily average is kind of about 88% and and then if I overexert it could drop to the low 80s which is most doctors will tell you that that's quite worrying. Amanda you were listening and you said crikey I'm not the only one then good morning. Hi good morning PJ how are you? How are you girl it's been a while. It's been a while yeah. You okay. have this? Um, I, I couldn't believe it. I, when I heard this, I do you know what? It was actually my father rang me and he said, you need to turn on the radio real quick because I, I have a little 21-month-old um, now at the moment. Crikey. And sure, my hands are full. So some mornings I get up, I, don't, I never turn the radio on. But he rang me and he said, turn on the radio really quickly because there's a guy and he's talking about this blood disorder that you have. I said, oh, turned on. Heard Mark's um, interview and... I was quite surprised because I've been I've been going through life with this for years. Um, as far as I'm aware, well, when I was diagnosed with this, I was told I was the only one in the country who had it. Yeah. I was the first diagnosed in Ireland. Right. And, and how were you diagnosed? What what led to the diagnosis? Pedro, what what happened was um, I had a couple of uh, seizures when I was about fourteen, maybe fifteen. Right. And I suppose the first thing they thought it was epilepsy, so they put me on a treatment for epilepsy. Yeah. Um, 
it wasn't that at all. It was obviously the blood disorder, but nobody was aware of it at the time. So I was on treatment for epilepsy for three months. And obviously that that interfered with the blood disorder, um, causing all the oxygen levels to go down in the blood. And slowly but surely the organs were failing in, in the night while I was sleeping. Mm. And my mum came in. It was the first day of the junior cert. And it was our first exam. Mum came in to call me for school. And she just, she thought I was dead, really. Um, I was completely, the lips were completely black. They weren't even blue anymore. The eye sockets were gone really, really dark. The fingernails and the toenails, really, really dark. The tongue, everything. And I, she called me and I, I was really tired. I couldn't kind of wake up. So we went straight to the hospital anyway. She, I, she brought me straight to the hospital. They couldn't figure out what it was. So they had been asking me, was yeah, you after taking drugs and was I drinking a lot? And mm. I said, no, do I smoke? No, am I taking any medication? No, nothing, only the Tegretol. Mm. Um, it took it took a while, but they did. Like I had to go through oxygen. I've had blood transfusions. I've had I've had a, different things like the iodine, the methylene blue. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's one of the treatments. That's, yeah. It's one of the treatments, yeah, and uh, vitamin C is very, very important as well. So I take that on a daily basis, all the time, every. And, and have, like, would you would you get sick from it, man? Like Gary was, or Mark was saying that sometimes he'll just have to reach for the oxygen because the exertion gets to him. It does. It's exhausting. It's just exhausting every day. And you can be, you can be the healthiest person in the world, PJ Bush, and you could be right by the book. But it's just, it's just, it's, it's out of your control. The tiredness is absolutely out of your control. It went back to my father's genes. The bloods, all our family were checked for it mm. immediately. All my siblings, my parents, and it, the gene was found in my father's blood. Right, okay. But he's not a. So um, it was a generic thing. They said maybe. So as as of until now, I've been just taking the vitamin C every day, but it affects all aspects of my life because if I take um, a certain type of medication, um, it can affect it. If I was to be on an antibiotic, it can affect it. Um, it depends on food. I've been to dietitians and I'm very limited to what I can eat. So trying to have a healthy, trying to get your vitamins out of food it's very hard because you you're not. A, you you're must have been. I mean, Mark, I know was 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 petrified with regard to um, getting COVID. Yeah, when I I've had COVID. Oh crikey! COVID, I was terrified with about the vaccine because there's no history to what it can do to somebody with the blood disorder because nobody knows anything about it. Yeah, I've been in hospital. I've been in ER. I've been like I've had ba- I've had a baby. I've had an older. I've an older child. He's twelve. I've had a baby within the last two years through COVID, and it was very frightening to see what the country situation was with COVID, and you know, the, what's available to people for help for if they're sick with general yeah. general illnesses. But yeah. this is so rare; not everybody knows about it, and no one had the time. You see, yeah, yeah. it was chaos. No one had the time to stop and kind of look into it. And I've had haematologists say to me, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It is not fine at all. Not when you're going through your whole life waiting every day to make sure and that you don't cross paths with, you know, like fertilizer in the yeah. gra- for, the, for the grass. Yeah. That chemical plants, I could never do science in school, like to drop out of science. Couldn't be around chemicals. 
I could never work in a pharmacy now or a pharmaceutical plant or anything like that because it would interfere with the nitrates. Can't eat anything out of the ground. I mean, everything that you eat comes out of the ground nearly, yeah. unless you're talking about processed foods. So like especially spinach and broccoli, all your greens for your iron. Yeah. And I mean, you need iron to transport the oxygen sure. through the blood. Sure. So you're fighting losing battle every single day to just survive in the world. It must make nutrition very hard too, Amanda, does it? Very, very hard. And, you know, like even even I struggle with my weight there at time to time and I'm trying to do a bit of training and I'm trying to eat healthy. But, like, people look at you and they think, you can't have a salad. You can't have, you can't have, you can't have, yeah. you know, bottled water or tinned food, the nitrates that are in them. You have to avoid all of that. Cry. How do you avoid it? Crikey. It's impossible. So, so no what, control what, over it. What do you eat? What can you eat? Well, PJ, I put it this way to you. It's very hard to not eat yeah. all these things because nitrates are in everything. And, you know, even like if you look back to the older days when your milk and your eggs and your bread were delivered to the door and they were all made and everything was fresh. And, and today you've got so many different stores to go into and pick these things up like you've Aldi's and Lidl now compared to just the Duns and the Rocha stores years ago. It's not all fresh fresh bakery delivered to your door every day now. It's run into the shop when you've passed five minutes and grab something for the dinner. You can't, like, you have. I have to go through everything that's inside and everything I buy. Right. So I have to make out a plan for the week about what I do. So I are have you to saying make to my... me literally, Amanda, that, like... If you eat inadvertently the wrong thing, yeah, it affects I'll be your, exhausted. Your breathing, yeah. I'm feel. I feel. I feel the the tiredness come down on me straight away. Like if I right. even Peter, like I have a bit of a social life, and I like, as you know, I like to go to events and things like that, and I like to go for dinner with my friends and do all these different things with my families and yeah. with my sisters and my and everything like that. But like. It's it's very hard because you're paying for for a few days afterwards. Like. Even a night out, glasses of wine. You're not to drink alcohol. You're not to smoke. I'm daren't I ever touch a, a street drug. Yeah. If I it would kill me outright. So spiked, you know all this yeah. going on with the, the ladies in the bars getting spiked by the injections or into the drinks or anything. Could you just imagine if something like that happened to myself or Mark? Do you know, you used to be in and out to us here over the years, uh, helping out on the show and doing a few bits and pieces with us. I never knew any of that because you carry it really well, Amanda. But it's, it's an incredible, an incredible insight into it. And thank you for that. I wish you were. By the way, I take it that your your kids have been checked, or do you do you do yeah, that? They have. they have, and there's none. There's no traces of it with them. That's thank brilliant. God. That's brilliant. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look yeah. after yourself, girl. It's good to catch I will. up. Thanks for that line is falling apart a bit. It's good to catch up with you. Amanda Varian uh, was on the team here for a little while, on and off. Um, didn't know she was living with that illness. Uh, it's got an awful big, hard name. Methemoglobinemia. Methemoglobinemia. But basically, your blood doesn't absorb oxygen like it should. I went looking it up overnight. It's an awful lot more complicated than that. But basic. Some people call it brown blood syndrome, I, I read. But your blood doesn't absorb oxygen like it should. And Mark has it. He was telling us about it. 
And then Amanda's listening, or Amanda's dad's listening, going, come here, that's what you have. And she's the first person in the world she ever heard who had the same thing as her. You heard it first on the opinion line. 0818 96 96 96. On chronic pain, I'm attending a rheumatologist publicly for years, getting worse by the year. When my husband and I started to ask questions, rheumatologist told me if I wasn't happy, I could move on and she wouldn't be offended. And on Gary, uh, the homeless lad, Gary O'Brien, Gary highlights his D. Gary highlights a flawed system. He was a breath of fresh air to listen to. I hope he has the determination and the assistance going forward. A voice for those unable to speak of the harsh, cruel reality of life. He's also D, and he meets a lot of people in this job. I meet a lot of people. I'm privileged to meet a lot of people that otherwise we would never meet, never speak to. One of the nicest guys I've met in a very, very long time. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. What mystery from your childhood have you finally solved many, many years later? Honestly, I kid you not, I was 34 before I realised that mice do not grow up to be rats. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24 7 at noeldc.com. That traffic we heard about earlier on, someone called to say that this is someone saying it now. I don't know, I'm not there. The traffic jam caused is caused by the cycle lane on the bridge. All the traffic is now being directed into one lane. And it's causing huge delays. Cue outrage among cyclists. But that's what our caller says. 0818 96 96 96. A few comments held over on north side versus south side. I will get to those. But out in Ballancolig, there's a problem with the soccer club. They can't develop the soccer club because of the way the pitches are owned. Probably best to have it explained to us. Geraldine McNamara. Geraldine, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. What is the problem with now, the club's pitches? The problem is that back after the barracks, Murphy's Barracks closed, the Minister for Defence allocated land to the soccer club from the 40 acres. And it was to be, it was given to, the way it was done was it was given to the transfer to the county council, Cork County Council to be transferred to Balancholic Soccer Club for a nominal fee. Then, somewhere along the line, the County Council decided that it would be given to us instead of the gift that we got, it would become a 99-year lease. Uh, In 2000, that was in 2001. By 2007, it eventually the land was transferred from the Department of Defence down to the County Council. Then it was decided discovered that the County Council had landlocked the land that was given to us by allowing the development all around to be built, which landlocked 
the land that was given to us. So it was then spent from 2007 to 2013, finding us an entrance. Right. So that was that was all delayed, then getting us... Eventually, anyway, they gave us a license to get in when they found us an, an entrance. Right. And we have been in there on a license since. Right. So we developed two pitches and we put in porter cabins for dressing rooms. Sure. Uh, then we constantly, constantly then toing and froing with the council to try and get our lease so that we could develop it. Because with our own money, we had gone as far as we could by developing the pitches and doing the porter cabins. Sure, and this was all through local uh, fundraising, yeah? This was all through our own local fundraising, yeah. <clears throat> and minimum little grants that you could get for pittance, you know, from the council would give you a little grant. And the likes of Cullum Kelleher getting these 5,000, he got us 5,000 there last year, the year before. These would help us with our running costs, like paying membership into the leagues and sure. keeping the, the little bits of running going. But we can never, on account of not owning the land, apply for the big sports capital grants, right. like all the other clubs around us which we are delighted that all those other clubs have got their money yeah. and they have fantastic facilities, but we're 20 years behind sure. because we can't do it. And Geraldine, just just forgive me if I missed <coughs> this, this. Who actually, so you've got your you've got your pitches and you've got your porta cabins and you're doing your best. Who actually owns, if you like, the turf on which you play? Who owns that? Um, I presume at the moment the county council have have it have, would have it because they haven't handed us over the lease. So the Department of Defence gave it to them to give to us, and that second step never took place. Right. Now the Cork City then took us over yes. because we were became part of the city. Yes. So we had to start all over again. So the county, the city council asked us to put in planning for retention of what we had done which was we did the two pitches and we put in porter cabins. So we did everything they asked us. We put in retention. We put in the planning applications to keep retention, which they made a decision on a week yesterday after we gave them the RFI information and toing and froing, and they decided to come up with the idea of a split decision, which allows us to have two pitches for 10 years, and we're not allowed to keep the porter cabins. So that gives us two pitches for 10 years with no dressing rooms. So that leaves us in a complete limbo. We now have to start all over again. We have to appeal to onboard Planana. Then we have to come up with a whole new proposal and try and get them to give us our lease again. And somebody is blocking, someone somewhere is blocking. We need an answer to the question, why was the land not given over as according to the Department of Defence? So the Department of Defence, which owned the land, gave yes. it across to the council in the county. The council in the county was meant to give it to ye on a 99-year lease. That never happened. Now the land has gone into the hold of the city council and they've started looking for planning retention and the, the decision yep. of that is that you can keep your pitches but you've got to take down your dressing rooms and somewhere in the middle the agreed lease has gone missing. Well, oh, the lease is there. Well, we never got it. It was never That's given. That's the point. We have, we ha yeah, we have a contract from the Department of Defence 
which says we must get, which says it's written, we have it, that the Department of Defence gave the land to the council and it can only be used for sport and recreational use. Right. Now, all we're not looking for handouts. All we want is a fair playing field, a chance to get what we should have got from day one, yeah. to give us a chance to because be able to apply for the same grants as everybody else. There you go. There was a rake of money given out last week. Yeah. Uh, a heap of money and, and welcome. Uh, many clubs across the place got, got a few bob. But you can't and delighted even apply. for them all. You can't apply. We can't even apply for that. So we are not. We're at a disadvantage. Once the applications come out, we cannot apply. We have got grant. We going back to the start when we were in pounds. We got ten thousand pounds from the lotto. Now that's a lot. Was a lot of money when it was ten thousand pounds. We had to give it back because we couldn't draw it down because we didn't own the land. We didn't have like a 10-year lease on two pitches with no dressing rooms. The leagues won't even let us enter. So we're looking at even not having a club if they won't give us the deeds. We, 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 we have, we're really now in limbo and we are at a severe crossroads where something has to give. Someone has to step up. Our Lord Mayor is stepping up. We have had help in the past to get the land originally from Battle Keith TD. He helped to get it from the Minister of Defence. Uh, Councillor Derry Canty has been helping us all along. Now our Lord Mayor, in fairness to him, has come on board and he's trying to sort it out. But everybody's coming up constantly against this block brick wall that someone needs to help us to get over. Someone must know why and how we are not getting the leads, the deeds. There must be someone out there that can say, this is why you're not getting. All we want, in all the years we have it, not one person from the council or from the Department of Planning has even seen the landing field. Uh, since the city council came over, uh, Mr Stephen Scully, that's in charge of the regional park, and the landing field now for keeping it maintained. He's the only person that ever walked out and had a look at what we have. But the planners have never seen it. There is a, a, a called a heritage thing then that's protected. It's called a mill race that runs through the pitch. Yeah. And they, they, they won't let us touch this. PJ, it's a ditch, a dirty, filthy, rotten ditch. That they want, that they have to preserve for heritage, and it's causing. There's rats. There's it's it's um, an unsociable area because kid, the the lads they throw bottles when they have their drink parties in there. It's broken bottles. We have young kids down there. If they fall in there, who's responsible? Ah, but Geraldine, it's heritage. It's hurt. heritage. It's heritage. It must be protected. It's, I'm not joking you. If someone came out, we had to get an archaeologist to rep- survey on that ditch that cost us a fortune to put in this retention planning to make sure we hadn't interfered with this filthy, dirty ditch. If it's heritage, why aren't they looking after it? Who's responsible for it? Oh, I'm not, I, I, oh do you know I, what? I, I sense, you, I sense <laughs> your frustration. I really, I really, really oh, do. Geraldine. Everybody I, now in the club is so deflated by this latest yeah. decision. We really thought this was the last stop. And when I saw 
all that, that we had missed out on again this time. I just absolutely well, said, right, lads, enough's enough. Well, you have a we petition have on change. You have a petition on change.org, save by colleague AFC. Thank you for bringing me up to speed in my understanding of You're what's very, going on down there. Yeah. I, wish, I wish you luck and, with that, Geraldine. And thank you very much for giving me the platform to get it out there because the actual public in Balancholic think we own it and the amount of people that say to us all the time, what are you doing with your money? We don't have any money. That's why we're so far behind. They think, look, everyone else is spending their money on AstroTurf pitches and if you don't do that, we don't have the money because we can't apply for these grants. All right. Listen, leave it there, Geraldine. We'll talk again maybe. 0818 96 96 96. Soccer Club. The bit about the ditch is just the best bit. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Courts 96FM Now yesterday morning, it's around this time actually, we had just been chatting with the 84-year-old Mary O'Halloran about what she went through uh, at the hands of uh, a knife-wielding thug herself and her brother Jerry 79-year-old Jerry Jerry was still in hospital at this stage yesterday scared and terrified and still shaking as he said and there was a a GoFundMe, we were following it all morning and Simon continued to follow it all afternoon. It was set up by the two paramedics that helped them on Sunday and they closed it last evening. Uh, Mary and Jerry uh, wanted to thank everybody who came forward and donated and that GoFundMe raised the astonishing total of €31,765, which is just incredible. But we wanted to bring your attention to something we've talked about before on the programme, which is the Seniors Alert Scheme, which is for vulnerable people like Jerry, for example, living on his own up there in Boyce's Street, and like Mary and her sister who live in in Balifahan, uh, and Noreen O'Regan from Cork City Partnership joins me. Noreen, good morning. Good morning. I'm, sh- I'm sure that you, like everybody else, was horrified at, at, totally. the, at the story that broke over the weekend. But yeah. tell us about the alert scheme. How does that work? Um, well, the Seniors Alert Scheme is there for people um, who are over 65. Um, they can be living alone or living um, uh, with another eligible person that meets the criteria um, or people that are on their own for significant periods of time during the day or if they're a carer to somebody else in their household they're all eligible once they're over 65 years of age. Um, the scheme, if you have a landline, is free for the first year. The Department of Rural and Community Development actually cover the cost of the equipment and the installation of the equipment and one year free monitoring for a landline. Now, if it's a GSM unit you require, if you don't have a landline, then there is a SIM charge for that the first year, and the SIM charge is €72 for the 12 months, and that's for 24-hour monitoring. Now, in year two, then, um, the GSM unit has the €66 monitoring fee on top of the SIM charge, which is 138 for the year. 
Um, now, that can be broken down into 12-monthly payments, or sure. you can pay it quarterly or half-yearly. The monitoring company will take it whatever way the person wants to pay it. And, and when it's in the house, be it by the landline yeah. or by the by the mobile or whatever it is, how does yeah. it work, Noreen? Well, you get a wristband and it's on your wrist and you just press that button if you need help or you're in difficulty or if you get a fall or if you hear a noise outside and you're a bit worried, you can press that and the monitoring centre will contact the local guard station or if you press it and you tell them that you're after getting a fall and you need an ambulance, they'll contact an ambulance service for you um, or they'll contact your first person on your list for a contact call. Mm. Um, because you need two or three people on your contact list um, because you need a key holder, obviously, to open your door if you're after getting a phone and you can't get up. Sure. No, the, the wristband is waterproof, so people can actually wear this all the time, even in the shower, wow. um, because it's waterproof. Um, when, Like every couple of weeks then, they need to press this button and make sure that it's working all the time. It needs to be, you know... Tested. Um, yeah. if, tested, you know, so that... Um, when you do have a fall, you know it's going to be working. Yeah. If the battery goes in that, and I've been doing these now about 20 years, and we've never had to replace or respend our battery, uh, because the batteries can't be replaced, you have to get a new unit for the wrist. Um, so they're very reliable. So people just need to check them every six to eight weeks, sure. um, even if uh, somebody's visiting them, press it. A lot of the time, old people just feel... They're annoying the men in the, the monitoring centre if they press the button, but they're not. Yes. They have no problem with people pressing the button. Okay, and this is all funded by the Department of Rural and Community yes. Development. How would yes. one, if, you, if I knew somebody now, Noreen, that might benefit from one of these, how do one start the ball rolling? Well, n- normally people would give us a call. Now there are organisations like us throughout the country and even in Cork and Cork County there are a number of organisations involved in this scheme so um, what they would do is if they got our number they just give us a call and we will go through the application form with the person it's a basic application form name, address uh, air code and we'll even look up the air code for people if they can't find their air code um, and the rest of the the, um, application form is box ticking once contact is made, you, you'll take it yeah, from there. Yeah, we, we apply for the, um, the grant for the, um, the unit and then that grant goes to the monitoring company. We get a response from the, uh, well, it's um, Pubble operate this on behalf of the department. So we contact Pubble, then we do an online um, application and then we get a response within 24 hours mm. and we get a PIN number and we send that to the monitoring company okay. and then they set the ball rolling so and within 14 days you should have your alarm installed. And it's all done and no one needs to worry about it. It's Once, the, once you're contacted, you take care of it. Noreen, thank you. Noreen O'Regan. At Cork City Partnership, it's the Seniors Alert Scheme. Cork City Partnership website has details on it. 0818 96 96 96. And it's just blown away by that GoFundMe. We've seen a lot of GoFundMe's go crazy on this programme over the last number of years. But that one just went, went in bananas. And why wouldn't it? And it closed last evening because Jerry and Mary said, look, close it down. Thank you very, very much to everybody. We just want to get on with our lives. 0818 96 96 96. Mark was listening. 
to Amanda, Mark Ryan. Uh, that's like listening to my story. This is about the blood disorder. Like her, I was told it's very rare. There was maybe one other person in Ireland with it. I've also had the experience of hematologists telling me I was fine when I literally was exhausted. Thank you so much for highlighting it. Thank you, Mark. Uh, let's go down to the north side, south side stuff, shall we? Because I, I put out the question earlier on this morning. Did you think that there is a north side, south side divide? And, and did you think that there is, it's deliberate? Because Sinn Féin protested or organised a protest outside City Hall last evening. And Tony Fitzgerald, north side Fianna Fáil councillor, said, come on now, lads, cop on a small bit. Uh, it's easy quantifiable in the budgets, says Kevin. I'm sure it'll depend on the way people want to read them. The question I was asking was, do you think there's a north-south divide? And if there is, is it deliberate? PJ, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have rejected the north side for years. The north side people voted for change in the last election and rejected the Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael councillors. Well, you see, they didn't kind of call her because they elected them back into their seats. Do you know, they did elect Tony Fitzgerald back into his seat and a few more besides back into their seats. So not everybody got rejected by the But your point is, your point is taken. Councillor Fitzgerald was always there for the people of the North Side. He did very well in getting projects and for himself as well. But as the jobs and projects got bigger, it's fallen to Sinn Féin to take care of the small cases that mean people are living impossible lives. I'm not knocking Tony for his work in organising big projects and getting local representations. By the same token, Tony should not be knocking Sinn Féin taking on the small cases. Someone needs to represent young girls with kids as well as big areas in organising projects. If he can't do both, he should leave it to Sinn Féin. There is a divide, says this message, and as you said, the North Ring Road is the obvious one. Compared to the South Ring, it's like a boring. I don't think it's deliberate in the sense of the South Ring got more money because of the airport and the tunnel and developments like Man Point and the growth of Ballancolic. But the North Side needs investment too and needs to be given the infrastructure it requires to develop. I'm originally from the South Side. I live in a commuter town now. I couldn't afford a house on the South Side. And Councillor John Maher sent us quite a long post. He said, very proud North Sider here. We have a lot to be proud of, sporting successes from various clubs, schools, largest employer, local businesses, various community groups, etc. But it's clear from a national government perspective, the funding for Northside has been poor. No decision on an elective hospital still, no Northering road plan, little cycling infrastructure, no shared bike scheme except at Kent Station, no playground funding, a lot due to departments and government bodies like the NTA making decisions in Dublin. What I would stress is that elected reps must realise that photo ops, likes and shares won't achieve anything. As a councillor, I've engaged with others to ensure budgets are delivered, which this year ensured 350000 for the North East Ward. That's real money in real projects that impact real people. And those were still coming in up to a few minutes ago. Thursday night, half nine, First States Ireland is back on RTE2 and the RTE player. Are you going to tell us how it went for you, Effie Murphy? Good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good. You're going to tell us how it Good. went? Good. Sure, I can't give the story away. <laughs> oh, but it was a great laugh. Get a bit closer to that phone for me if you can. So I am right up to it. You and I have, have talked before about your, your, your weight loss journey and, and, how, and your return to, to better health. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. You know, everything is wonderful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
And how did how did first stage come about? Um, well, I took the leap. You know me now, my story, PJ. I took the leap, and I said, you know, I was three years single. Give it a go. Give it a bash. See what happens. Um, and yeah, I went and it was a great day out. We had an absolute ball and a lovely meal. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, am I right? I can't saying, give the story away. You you originally thought that the the maitre d Matteo, who met you, mm-hmm. you thought he was your date. Of course I did. I saw him. I was like, oh my God, he's handsome now. Like, big blue suit on him. I was like, oh, I'm in for a great night now. And then I realised he was the host. Was poor old Paul, and we'll find out the story, of course, on Thursday. Was, was, was poor old Paul being marked out of 10 compared to Matteo, like, from the minute of he walked? Of course, like, I mean, you have to. I know people say don't judge a book by its cover, but it's only natural when you're going on a blind date, like. <laughs> so... All, all you'll tell us is that you're still in contact. So we'll find out all about that on Thursday. Exactly. How, how's the pageanting going? Fantastic. I am um, getting soon. ready. Yeah. I am. I'm off to Vegas in July. Um, I'm actually getting ready there and I'm starting to pack a few bits and bobs. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it now. You're starting to pack. It's February. You have no idea the amount of stuff that I'm going to bring with me. Ah, like, come on, the Kardashians don't start packing in February. Come on, like. I, I swear to God, now the Louis Vuitton case is out and I'm ready to pack and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, yeah, looking but, forward to it, though. Be great, now. It would only be you. And are you, still, are you still involved with the hospital in Turkey as well that we talked about? Before? I am. I am, of course, yeah. I'm still taking bookings. So anybody who wants to go over to Turkey for their surgeries, contact me. I'm happy to help. <laughs> you're, you're, I tell you something, you're, you're, you're like a small business all of your own. It's so funny, Peter. Every time, you say, every time I speak to you, you say to me, you get your hand in anywhere. I say, yeah, you... I'm a proper Dell boy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see this on, on, um, on, Thursday, on Thursday night. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. Oh, great laugh. And you'll tell us... Get a pizza and a nice, a nice beer and sit down and watch it and have a laugh. It'll be great us, laugh. You'll tell us nothing. Normally, I can't stop you talking, but you tell me nothing now. I know, yeah. Sure, I'm contracted now. I can't say nothing. <laughs> and it was just a case of, era. I'll give it a go. There was no... Like, I'm just going to give it a shot. No, I said, you know what? Get out of your comfort zone now. I was at home on my own for too long. You know, I said, everything was closed. I couldn't go out and find a date. So it was either this or go on Tinder. And um, so we gave it a bash. I gave Tinder a bash too, but that was that was terrible. <laughs> All right. Can we talk on Friday? Of course we can. All right, we'll talk then. Effie, thanks. That's Effie Murphy. Uh, Effie on the phone all the times. But uh, <laughs> first dates Ireland on Thursday. If nothing else, we get a laugh, and we'll find out how she did on Friday. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's on Thursdays. 9.30 on RTE2 and the RTE player. Right, before I go, this is there with a while. Dealing with the HSE, very frustrated trying to get a COVID recovery cert. Now, we might come back to this tomorrow. Spent two days trying to get my call answered. You're told that you'll be waiting 90 minutes when you call and you hold on. But just as you get there, it drops. The last few days, if you call the number, it even says they're not taking calls. My daughter is 17. Her sister's getting married. My daughter has to be bridesmaid. My daughter has two shots, but Spain is a three-shot country. You need the booster to get in. My daughter contracted COVID before she could get her booster. It's all very frustrating, but there are people in even more dire need of me than me. Yeah, if, I, if anybody knows how that works or can help, we will definitely 
come back to it. And we've one of those alarms. When we got the last bill, there was €12.15 VAT. I think at this time of our lives, we shouldn't have to pay the VAT. It's an essential service. And thank you also for that. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie.